Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. I'm your host for today, Dr. Eddie Sanders, the chair of DCC's Practical Ministries Department. As we come to the end of 2022, we want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas, and we are glad that you decided to join us today as we continue our Bible Words series. Sharing with us today is the Director of Advancement at DCC and also our Worship Arts Department Chair, Mr. Scott Spees. Welcome, brother. Thank you, Eddie. It's good to be here. Scott has been connected with DCC in various roles since 1987 and returned to college after a four-year ministry at Northside Christian Church in Spring, Texas. He also serves regularly as a worship leader at Central Christian Church in Richardson, Texas. Joining Scott for our discussion today is the head of DCC's Bible Department, Dr. Mark Halen. Welcome. I'm going to turn it over to you, Scott, and let you begin this episode of our Bible Word series and introduce our topic. Thank you, Dr. Sanders. Well, as we draw closer to the celebration of the birth of Christ, we're going to turn our focus to a word that I think has probably been most misunderstood and improperly defined than probably any of the other eight, seven, eight words that we've looked at in this Bible Word series. And to introduce this word, I want to share this quick story that I came upon years ago. There's a man who was shipwrecked on an island for years, and finally a boat comes by, and the captain of the boat meets this shipwrecked man, and he notices that the man must have been there a long time because there are three separate buildings that have been built on this deserted island. The captain asks the man about these buildings, and the man answers, well, this first one here, this this is the house where I live. It was the first building that I constructed when I realized I was going to be here a while. And then the building over there is my church where I go to worship and draw close to God and spend time in prayer. And the captain says, well, what's that third building? And he says, well, that's the church that I used to go to. So one of the most divisive elements in the church today, and the word that we're going to look at, is the word worship, word very dear to my heart. I've spent a good number of years studying and practicing worship in both the church and college setting. I was really influenced early on in my worship leading season by the teachings of Dr. Danelle Franklin. She was the music and worship professor back here at DCC in the 80s and early 90s. I also had the opportunity to learn even more Uh, by living abroad in Russia as a missionary for a period of time. When I returned to the States and to DCC, then Dr. Mark Kalin taught me a lot about biblical worship, as I had the opportunity to even sit in on a couple of his classes. And I also had the privilege of studying at the uh, Robert Weber Institute for Worship Studies, where I, again, was challenged to rethink a lot of what I had grown up understanding about worship. I've been leading worship in a lot of different contexts, including uh, contemporary and traditional, high school, college. Uh, My latest season is leading for seniors groups, and I'm not talking about seniors in high school. It's those that are 60 years of age and older, which is where I land now, and I've really enjoyed that season. And through all these different age groups and, and different contexts, I still see churches and groups of people divided over the topic of worship. And most of the time, it centers around music and music style. And so today, we're we're not going to have time to dive into that. That's probably a a good topic for another uh, podcast series. But what I want to look at is very briefly what the Bible says about worship and hopefully give our listeners something to think about as you all are 
listening to this now, whether you're driving, working out at the gym, taking a break at the office, you're at home, wherever you're listening. And so to begin with, let me offer a definition of worship that I have used for many years in much of my teaching. Uh, I define worship as a response to a relationship with God, the big G God, or a God, little g God, of our choosing. Worship is a response to a relationship with God or a God of our choosing. Now, implied with this definition is the idea that we live in an ongoing relationship with God. And much of our uh, Bible words that we've talked about and looked at the last few months center on that, our, our, our understanding of faith and our understanding of love and our understanding of Savior. All of those imply that we are interacting and relating with God And when we respond to who God is, what he's done, and what he's done and communicated to us, then we have this, what I call, a worship dialogue. And you hear lots of of authors using that now, uh, that terminology. God speaks to us and we respond, whether it's responding verbally, physically, we're responding with some action. But really the breakdown starts to happen when we respond in ways that are either inappropriate or unbiblical or... We have a relationship with that little g-god that leads us astray. And so uh, before I get some uh, reaction from uh, Dr. Sanders and Dr. Halen, I want to go through a contrast here just very quickly of things that I think worship is not. You know, one of the best ways we learn is is to not only talk about what worship is, but worship is not. And here's just a, a small list of some of the things that I think we have overemphasized a lot of times in our churches and in our context. Worship is not just the music that's played or the songs we sing at church. And here's what I mean by that. How many times have you heard someone come out to welcome everybody on a Sunday morning, and they say, good morning and welcome to church. Before we start our worship, I'd like to share these announcements and have a word of prayer. Well, what we're really saying is before we start singing I would like to pray, which, and I think all of us would agree, prayer is probably an act of worship, and as part of the worship, I would even offer uh, the argument that announcements and the community life of the church is is very much an important part of our worship, but we condition our people to think, okay, worship is when the music starts. Or I've heard this many times, well, we're going to hear Brother Smith's sermon after our time of worship. Okay, so the sermon is now no longer worship. <laughs> and what again, what we're saying there is we're, we're going to hear Brother Smith's sermon after our time of singing during this entire group gathering of worship. Uh, worship's not the hour and a half that we meet together during the week. Worship is not the liturgy or the order that we follow when we gather during a service. Uh, worship's not something that the paid worship leader or the worship team does for us. I think we have a, a real big problem with that right now. Again, another topic for another podcast. But we've uh, relegated our worship to other people who do it better uh, because, you know, they sing better, they play better, so let's let them worship for us. Uh, worship is not an experience that's designed to pump us up so we can get through another week at school or at work or with the family. And worship is not an event, a program that begins and ends. So those are just a few of the common misconceptions that I see as I look at how people relate to and understand our word worship. So Dr. Halen, Dr. Sanders, give me some feedback on that, and then we'll return to, uh, to our discussion. Yeah, very much so. Um, there's very much an us-oriented notion in all those misconceptions. 
of worship that yes. this is the stuff that we do and therefore we have a tight control on it okay that's excellent eddie any sent any of these resonate with you yeah for sure it's just striking that we just have a one-to-one association that music is worship and worship is music mm-hmm and I think that, you know, if we talk to our ministers, even if we talk to worship leaders and said, is this what you're teaching? The answer would be, oh, absolutely not. We don't believe that. And, and yet by our language that we use and the, and the way we introduce and welcome people into our corporate gatherings, that's what we teach. And so I think to help us overcome this problem of misunderstanding and to, and to get a proper view of what worship is and, and is not, we've got to return to the standard. And obviously... God's Word reveals a standard for worship that is unchanging. And I think what we have oftentimes done is we've allowed the form or the style of our worship to become the reality. I remember uh, Dr. Bruce Smith was the minister at Central Christian Church years ago when I first moved down here from Oklahoma City. And we were teaching back then in the mid to late 80s on this idea of of moving from a, a more traditional style of worship to something contemporary. And he, he coined this phrase of form does not equal reality. And, and I really had a struggle with that early on until I realized that what we have done is we have made an idol, a little G-God, out of our form and style of worship. Uh, we obviously don't worship the way the early church did in the book of Acts, not because we don't believe in that, but because a lot of what they did then in the first and second centuries is not relevant or does not connect with the way we worship now. The standard, the truth of that worship can't change. We believe God is our Father. Jesus Christ is his Son. The Holy Spirit was sent to indwell in us and to empower us and to transform us. We believe all of those things. Those truths guide us, but the way that we express our worship to God has to change. And it changes among cultures. It changes among age groups. It changes among subcultures. That's been one of the extreme challenges here at DCC, I think, is that we have a very broad denomination representation. We've got a very broad group of subcultures, athletes, non-athletes, ministry majors, education majors, business people, psychology majors, and somehow we're all supposed to get along and worship together once a week in a chapel service. I think it's almost impossible unless the focus is on that which doesn't change. And so uh, I'm going to, you know, propose that, that worship is more than just what we do at a designated time of corporate worship. Uh, it has to be this dialogue. And I think, Dr. Halen, you made a good uh, observation there then in those ideas of what worship is not. We have made worship a monologue, and we do all the talking. I think in most of the time, our singing, there's nothing, I mean, I'm, I'm a musician. I love singing praises to God. But when that's the only time we worship or the only way in which we worship, we're the ones doing all the talking. We don't have any time for listening to what God is going to say to us. So in a true dialogue, there is a revelation, and then there is our response. And I think the early church captured that well when it had this back-and-forth idea of hearing from God, whether that's through his word, from the minister, the homily of the day, the sermon, whatever we want to call it. And then we respond by going to the table, and then we're commissioned to leave the church and to go out into the world. And so there is this constant back and forth 
that is a dialogue as opposed to a monologue. Uh, any thoughts, comments on that? Worship in Scripture always began with God revealing himself. Yes. Moses takes off his sandals because there was a burning bush there, and God spoke to him from the burning bush. Yes. Yahweh descends on Mount Sinai, and not long after that, a tabernacle begins to be built. You know, God always reveals first because there's nothing to worship. Exactly. If there hasn't been the revelation. That's excellent. Yeah, the distinction between the monologue and the dialogue is very helpful. And in my study, when I'm working on a text, whether it's just for me or I'm going to preach, I, I find myself talking, praying through the text. That is a dialogue, and that's helpful to think of that as worship. Exactly. And I think that if we would look at our corporate worship service as a whole, we would have a, a, a better understanding of what that means uh, in there. You're, you're looking like you've got something yeah, you want just, to respond to. I was to. reflecting on what Dr. Sanders was saying, that uh, at, even in the preaching event, the preacher and the audience are basically offering this this engagement in the text to God, and they're saying, we open ourselves up to you because we started with this engagement point in which you spoke to us. And what's more worshipful than that than to open yourself up to God and his leading? Yeah, and then and then I think of that as the moment so often when the Holy Spirit speaks to people because it's a time of worship and, and God is there and active and moving. Yeah, I uh I I as as you're talking, I'm thinking about maybe the Quakers had something <laughs> with that in that they would wait and they're okay with silence. I, I you know, I, I play for enough churches and I've been to enough places. We we've become afraid of silence. And I, and I love it when people say, we're going to give you a couple of minutes to pray silently, and after seven seconds, we're, we're jumping into music, or we're, <laughs> okay, Father, thank you for hearing our prayer. I said, well, I'm just getting started. But, but we are very uncomfortable with that because in a dialogue, there has to be time to hear from God. I also think, uh, you know, one of the problems that, that we've um, encountered is that we, we use one word in our English language, worship deriving from the old English worship, giving worth to something or someone. Uh, the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, is full of words that are, are way more specific in terms of, of what worship does and, and the way in which we express that. Um, I, I think biblical worship always involves action, and that connects well with what uh, Dr. Halen shared a few weeks ago in our podcast on love, and that love is more than just an emotion— but there is this intentional response that involves doing something for someone else as an expression of that love. And I would say that the truth uh, is the same for biblical worship, whether it's a verbal, a physical, a mental response of, of a decision of the heart. Remember, when Jesus is asked what's the greatest commandment in Mark chapter 12, he responds with this very holistic response— Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's way 
way greater than love the Lord your God with your favorite worship song, okay, which is how we typically in, in the 21st century look at worship. Uh, it's more than a feeling, more than even an emotion or a personal experience. Experience is a word I, I hear all the time being utilized that I don't know really captures the essence of what worship should be. You know, in Romans chapter 12, a passage that many of you are probably familiar with, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, your entire being, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper, your some translations, your spiritual, your reasonable act of worship. The Greek word there that Paul uses is the word latreia, uh, the noun form latreo, Sometimes it's translated service. It's something that requires a response or an action on the part of the worshiper. I would say it's not limited to a Sunday gathering. In fact, I, I love my, my greatest, uh, probably my favorite definition of worship and my, one of my favorite authors, and it's a text we use here at DCC, is this book, Unceasing Worship, by Harold Best. He, he gives the idea that worship never ceases. It only changes direction. And so a lot of times when we say, so to close out our service, let's have this benediction. Now let's go, you know, eat at, uh, you know, Chick-fil-A, well, not Chick-fil-A on Sunday, but let, let's, <laughs> let's go somewhere and have lunch. Well, I, I like the idea of now our, our worship together has concluded, and we're going to continue worshiping as we go to Chili's for lunch, as we go home and watch football, as we go take a nap, as we spend time with family, as we get ready to live the rest of our work week which fits well, I think, Dr. Halen, your idea of, of looking at work as worship, which I don't think many of us, uh, we, we think that work is part of that toil that's, <laughs> that is anything but worship, except when we look at it as offering ourselves in response to God, it changes the way we look at everything. So Harold Best says that when we sin, then we are changing the direction of our worship. Worship never ceases. It only changes direction. I would say it, sometimes it changes location. Instead of worshiping together, now I'm worshiping at home. Now I'm worshiping at Dallas Christian College. We've got just a couple of minutes, so thoughts on that before we wrap up. It is interesting that one of the key verbs in the Old Testament that is often translated worship, most people don't recognize it as doing so, is the verb avad, to serve which is what the slaves did in Egypt. But now they get to serve Yahweh, Yahweh, and the priests do that in the tabernacle. So the idea of service as worship, when I act for God yes, in his interest. That's excellent. It's a new year, and I think uh, this first week of the year is, is a good time to calibrate and set a direction and stay in it, mm-hmm. and and repent when we don't, and continually walk in in a life of worship and obedience and service to God. Thank you for that excellent perspective of worship. And again, another word that we see, it, it's said, it's supposedly understood, but there's way more there, and we could spend another oh, absolutely numerous sessions on this. Thank you. Dallas Christian College educates and mentors students to be people of influence, engaging in their calling to the work of Christ in the church in the, in the world. You can visit us at www.dallas.edu. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the DCC Leadership Podcast. 
We also hope you enjoyed this series as we wrap this up. You can check out other episodes on many different platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Podfriend. If you would like to learn more about Dallas Christian College, our degree programs, and available scholarships, you can check us out at dallas.edu. To learn more about the Worley Student Life Center, go to dallaspartners.org. Changing the world for Christ, one student at a time with an education that is accessible, affordable, and attainable.